Okay, so this is the second session, which is unveiling the heart. So talking about, now when I say veil, what I am referring to is be like, okay, so this is how I, how I do it. So, well, how this curriculum, it did come with homework, which I believe I'm still going to do homework, which I should have talked about in the last one. But what I had people do then was go into prayer on their own. We did it in a group, and then we had people go home and do this at home. Now, this is going to come as a video series where people will either do this in a group or they're going to do it at home. And it was like an inner healing prayer that I have written out. I don't have it with me, but I know the question what it was. I had them go to the Holy Spirit and ask them what was anything that had happened in their life that God wanted to talk about with them today that created a stronghold, a place of protection. Now, when I actually was saying like a stronghold, a lot of people in church look at the stronghold as um, somebody who has strongholds. They're going to line that more with deliverance. Like you got a stronghold of, I don't know, anger, fear, like whatever. That's the stronghold. Actually, what I'm referring into this is not going to be that way. When I say, when I'm saying the stronghold, that's going to be like, well, the stronghold is the place, well, I guess you could kind of put it that way. I'm not going to confuse you guys. But basically, it's the experience or the thing that happened to you that created a place of resistance. Out of the place of resistance is your stronghold. Meaning that people look at people and be like, oh, they got a problem with this, this, and this. Like they have an issue with rage or they have an issue with insecurities or fear of rejection. And they go after the actual act of a person or a response of a person that there's a deep root of a stronghold and a place and a thing that happened to them that created a place of protection in their heart that out of that out of that it was defiled meaning out of that the resistance came and now they act and have issues <laughs> that's where the strongholds are or the or the like the personalities or the things that you see happen to somebody. I mean, too many times we blame somebody for the things that are on the outside or parts of their personality that aren't their God-given personality. It is not who they were made in the image of Christ. You go from glory to glory to reflect his image, meaning you will go from removal and removal of strongholds and veils to reflect his image on the inside of your heart, the end part of your inner man, when it's purified, sanctified unto truth. And so you people, we're walking around a broken church, broken people, because we live life. And life just happens, and stuff happens. And people get things because of that. They get fears because of that. They have triggers because of that. And so what I do is I, I had um, the ladies when I did this class, because it was just females at first, I had them. Ask this prayer and ask God, what was an area? What is something? Because here's the thing. You don't want 20 things from Jesus, and he's not going to give you 20 things. That's overwhelming. You want what God wants to do for you in the moment, meaning there's probably going to be some sovereign healing when you press into him on what he tells you created a stronghold. People, sometimes they don't want to ask God. They don't want to necessarily hear it. And you know what I find out with some people? Like I started having where... I could lay hands on somebody and almost like read their mail. Like the Holy Spirit would tell me stuff in their heart that happened to them. And it was almost like a sovereign inner healing that God would do on people. Because some people can't get there. And the reason that I feel like I could recognize that stuff in the spirit is because of what I've been through. And so it was just a part of like my discerning of spirits or like a gift I carried that God kind of heightened that I could pray for somebody and I could pick that up. And that was like something they couldn't get to the place. Yet God saw it. 
He said, this is a place of resistance. We don't like to ask God those things, or we don't know that we could go that deep with him. Meaning that things in your life circumstances can affect you that way. That caused a place of lack of trust to you at a six-year-old that's now affecting you as an adult. Like my mom walking out and committing suicide and telling me that I had been a bad child. Like I lived my entire life with the fear of rejection and that I killed my mother. And I didn't even fully know. I knew I always felt that way. Like deep down I always felt it. And I remember when I found out she had died. Like I remember going in my bed and crying. And I remember thinking I did it. And I didn't know why I thought that. Well, when I got older, I remembered some of the things that were said to me that I carried my entire life, yet didn't fully understand what effects that would have on me. Could I get there from just going, you have a problem with fear of rejection, Sarah. You got a problem with fear. No. You got to go there to unveil the heart. Unveil what was said. Unveil, let God heal it. Like, how do you get to that space with God? How do you get God to minister to that area that somebody, something came in and affected you and you look at God wrong because of it? Because it was not just about rejection. In turn, I believed God stole my mom. I was told it was his will. And it wasn't even, even if I wasn't told that. I don't care what anybody could tell me. Somebody could tell me it wasn't his will. You're a reasonable person. And you believe God created this world and that he has power. You are going to blame him for your parent committing suicide. I don't care who you are. It's natural. It's a natural mindset. It's where the brain's going to go. And anyone who thinks they're so holier than thou that don't believe that they would blame God for some of the stuff that's happened in your life, you're in denial. <laughs> Let me just tell you that you're in denial. <laughs> there is stuff there. There's people offended by him, you know? Oh, what was the scripture? There is a scripture. I think it's Matthew 11. Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended by me. Wow. Like, Seriously. Man, I lived my whole life offended by God, like my entire life offended by him. I remember there were times where God's had to like grab me and poke and be like, you have offense towards me. You're offended. I mean, if we understood that we walk around as an offended body of Christ, <laughs> and he says, blessed are you that don't get tripped up because I am an offensive person. <laughs> Jesus was offensive. He told people to eat him and drink him. He offended his entire crowd. Jesus was offensive. He offended the Pharisees because he had other doctrines. He, he offended people. You know, there's a thing. I, this is what I, I tell little sensitive sallies that get offended by me. I'm like, let offense rub you the right way. It's okay to get offended. Like, okay, I was thinking about this the other day because I... I I always talk about, I always talk about this because I know Jesus has made me a little offensive, but he makes me like funny to make it, take people, take it a little better. So I was, um, I was thinking like I, in Bible school, man, I was so offended by those people. I was so pissed off in Bible school. I was so irritated by them because I had been so indoctrinated um, conservative and I ended up in a totally charismatic church or a charismatic Bible school and God made me do it. Like, I tried to leave, and he wouldn't let me. Like, I knew when God would tell I could have been a mess, but I at least knew to hear from God when he says no. Like, you're not going to go. So I had to stay there, and every day I was pissed off. 
I was mad. I got smoked cigarettes in between my classes. I ditched a lot of classes, and I failed many classes. I met with the associate pastor to talk to him about doctrine. I met with my counselor to talk to her about doctrine and tell her why it was off that they spoke in tongues in front of the congregation. Like, I had my opinion. And I knew scripture, and I taught him what I had been taught and what I knew. And so I was offended, man, in the, in the class Christ the Healer was one of the worst. I did not show up to that class because I thought all those people were so ridiculous that they would teach that. And I was like, you don't know anything about death and what I've seen, and you think you're going to teach about how Jesus is a healer. Let me just tell you, Jesus kept me in that offense. He said, this is okay. Let her be so offended for two years. It's okay. Leave her alone over there. And he wouldn't let me leave. I could do things. I would skip. And I would, I missed my first year. They were going to keep me back. Um, I wasn't going to pass my first year. I missed half, half the school year because I was so annoyed. Like, I was so annoyed. Like, I just, every single thing that I was just so against what they were teaching and so against what they would say God was power. And there were miracles happening in the classes. There were healings happening in the classes. And I was offended by it. I didn't like it. I wasn't okay with the manifestations. I wasn't okay with that person talking in tongues. I wasn't okay with it. And I sat in it. And that's why I'm like, I like tell people, it's okay to get offended. Get your little panties and a little twist. Get over it. There is something about being offended by, by, by things. And we like to think we're offended by the person. No, sometimes you're offended by Jesus. You're offended by something that is foolish to you. And it's his wisdom. And that's what messes us up. Because we think through our human knowledge, through our reason, that we understand the knowledge of Christ. How can you understand something that you can't comprehend? And like, okay, so look at, look at this. Let me talk about, um, let's talk about the foolishness of Jesus. <laughs> it's just kidding. <laughs> foolishness versus wisdom. Okay, this is 1 Corinthians 1. And I'm, I'm pulling just a couple random parts out of it because of what it says, okay? So Paul's talking um, to the church. He goes, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? Here's the thing. He's talking to Greeks. Greeks were all about philosophy, all about philosophy. Jews liked power. Greeks wanted knowledge. They wanted human wisdom, okay? So he, this is what he says. You did, bro, Paul is brilliant, you know? So this is why I, I like Paul. I feel like Paul could, like, kind of hit people at every single area with things. So he's like, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he had used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. And he goes, instead, God chose things of this world, considers fool. God chose things the, things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. To shame. Offend? To shame? The things that we have in our human knowledge and the way that we see how stuff should work, how lives should align, how relationships should be, how church should fit in our box. Yet we think, oh, it's, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. God is structured. This is wisdom. This is understanding. God is a gentleman. Man, I have, I have come to find sometimes God's not such a gentleman. <laughs> there are times Jesus has no problem offending people. 
he will move in. And there's other times that, man, he knows when the heart is hardened so badly, he will stop moving in. One thing that I did know, that God saw my heart. God said, she's going to be offended for a little while. We're just going to leave her off to the side, let her do her thing. But I know what this is going to produce. There's a lot of people in the church that, man, they are like the people in John 6, that when he offended them, they left. They didn't get what they wanted, which was to see miraculous signs. They heard something they were not okay with, and they left him. He only had his disciples stayed when he said what they didn't like. And so you will come to find out that when it comes to God's wisdom, I have come to see that it is so much the opposite of my wisdom <laughs> and my knowledge. And it's offensive. There are things that are just offensive about who God is and why. Why? It's because we've, we've kind of put him in a pretty little box that works. And so to be quite honest, he never was offensive. We just didn't know him. He became offensive because we knew something else. And when he comes in with truth, it offends our human reason and human knowledge. And so when I was having, I was seeing things in power and stuff happening, then what would happen if I was offended by something that God is saying is real, is good, is me, that he'll allow you to get rubbed and rubbed and rubbed the wrong way until something in you gets refined. It gets refined. Because in the refining is the strength. It's the, it's the endurance. And the heart is the area. It's the place within the man that carries, carries being defiled. It carries the parts. It says, um, where is it? Hold on. Matthew 15. He says, the words you speak, this is um, Jesus, Matthew 15 and 18 through 20. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. From, from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. You find out that your heart, the area, the source of your being, God will allow offense and things. And when, you, when it comes, let me tell you, like, let me give a little bit, like, understanding of offense. It's not just being in somewhere where you don't like how it's working, meaning you don't like how they see God or it's against your doctrine I mean, that's what I was in for two years of offense. But I'm talking about the offense when something doesn't work right in your life. I'm talking about the offense when, like what I went into, where I was walking in obedience. And the opposite of everything I was walking in was happening. And I felt betrayed by God every single night. What happens to the person who believes God brings them a husband or wife? And then they get together and something blows up in their face. And they walk in the, and they sit in the offense of God. Right? Like, this is what happens, people. It is, it is our lives that we have that doesn't work out what we want it to look like. And when it doesn't, it, that is when we are offended. We are offended by the Spirit of God. We are offended by who he is. And usually we'll wrap it up towards a person. Meaning you'll look at somebody else and be mad at them and frustrated at them. But go down to the deeper root and you're going to find that your stronghold is in resistance to the knowledge of him. Because when we pursue him in every single situation, every painful situation, that he can give you a peace when people around you create a storm. Like, I, I, man, I remember it's like, 
I got stripped of the fear of man over the last two years. I've never in my life, like, come to that place of, like, getting stripped of caring what people said about me because of how I got punched. Like, I, to, to, for people who don't, like, really, really know, didn't know me before, this is a horrifying thing for me to do. I don't like being on camera. I didn't like attention. I didn't want to be on stage. I never wanted you put that's like it was like a nightmare. When I started to get pulled out in Oklahoma when I lived there and I was getting asked to like give my testimony or something, I would go home every night and cry and cry and cry, humiliated, humiliated, humiliated. Or go speak, cry and cry. Just I hated it. When I filmed and people are like, well, why did you do it? Because like I would end up being good at it, and I'd realize that I was anointed to do it. And then at the same time, I cared more about killing demons and watching people get set free than I cared about my torment. And I wanted to see what God was telling me he would do through me. And I really chose him over all that stuff. Because honestly, wanting to set people free or wanting to help other people get so mixed up in, in legalism. Because I believe, like, as Christians, we totally think that love, like, love your neighbor. You no, know, it's love God, then love your neighbor. And what happens is people, we think that if we love people, we represent his love. And what I found out is God was like, no, it's unto me first, always to me, always to me. I never wanted to do any of this for just people. I wanted to do it for him. Like, all of it had to go for him. Like, I want to do this for you, God. Like, that's when you find the things in your heart that can be defiled. Because if you dig deep, why do you want to do certain things you want to do? Like, I've come to find out certain people that would want a public ministry. You want it for you. You want it because of what it gives you. Or the reason you want this over here for finances is for you. Like, it's the intentions of somebody. It's the intentions of someone. And you know, a lot of reasons God won't give that to you is not because he doesn't want to bless you. It's because it will break you. It will break you. And there's certain people that it's like God will wait on handing you things in your life because it would crush you. It would crush you because you are not strong enough to carry what it will bring until the heart is not defiled. When the heart is aligned right, there is a thing of a release of promises that he will rain down in your life because the alignment, the alignment doesn't have the resistance, it doesn't have the strongholds, it doesn't have the reasoning. Now, if you can imagine, like, what if God was, like, to grow things within, and I use this as an example because this is my example. If I had a life in married and I had issues with my children, I would use them, but I only have a cat. I'm not going to tell you about my cat. <laughs> this is the examples you're going to get. Mm would be where I would find value would be the ministry. Like, what do I do? There are things that God took me in seasons. I can't give you this. If I gave you this, not because I don't want to. I want my people free. I want them to hear your message. I want it, Sarah. You are not ready. I care more about you. We don't understand God's heart is like that for us. I, I mean, I had so many times where I kept hearing him say, I don't use you. In my head, I was felt, I was like, yeah, I was just, I'm used by God. You know, I'm a, I'm a testimony. It's like, I know, I don't use you. Are you kidding me? I, I, you're more special to me that you're good, that you're okay, that your life is full. So I needed all those fears to get shaken, get shaken in you. So you knew who I was in it. So I had to go back. I had to reposition myself to every single fear that I had and allow the triggers to come. I do know God waited on that type of season for me because 
of what it would have done to me in my past. I could have like driven into drug addiction through it. I don't know what I would have done. And I do know that God waited on it. It was something that had to be done and he did it quickly because some people walk through seasons of that for 10 years, through 10 years, because God, first of all, has grace on you and other people are wandering in a wilderness and they are not making the choices they could be in the crushing. And there are things that I know that I did move in the crushing that got me out of it there quicker because I at least knew I was in a wilderness. I knew I was in a crushing. I knew I had no other option but to get on my knees and get free of it. I was never going to turn away. I did consider walking away from the ministry. I did consider that because I didn't, I, I felt very betrayed by God. And so because of that, like, yeah, I got the triggers, but I never did it. Some people stay in a wilderness longer because of, because of the triggers. They don't know how to get out quicker. They just turn and turn and turn. And so what I found out is like, God was like, I can't hand you all of these things that I would want to give you if you still have this in you. Now, I noticed that God was taking me so much to Israel these, this last week. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm going to go into the Old Testament like nobody's business right now. And I could, I could tell. He was showing me the wilderness part, the areas, the questioning, and how this, how this exposed the hearts of man, the defilement of man. So when you look at the veil, like let's first, let me just use the scripture about the veil so you get an understanding of, um, of it really quick. I didn't do it, so I don't know the time frame I'm on. Um, hold on. So, so when I say the veil, so first of all, I was talking about the stronghold, right? I'm saying that there's a stronghold that is the thing that happened to you. What is the veil then? The veil is going to be like the, the well, the veil is like, uh, the veil is the stronghold. So it's like the experience that happened to you creates a stronghold, but out of that is also the veil and the belief system that is in resistance to God. Then you have the parts of you that act super crazy. So let's talk about, let's talk a little bit more about the veil. I'm just going to read this really quick. Um, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 3, and I think this is like somewhere at 16. This is, uh, Paul is talking about Moses, and he's talking about the veil that was on Moses' face. So he says, since this new way gives us such confidence. Now, the new way would be like after Jesus came. We can be very bold. We are not like Moses who puts a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. Because the people's minds were hardened, now, just refer this, apply this as your heart being hardened, the way that you think, being hardened as if it has a veil on it. To this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds. That word meaning your thought, the purpose, and design. So they cannot understand truth. So he's saying when the law, law is being written, uh, was being uh, read to people, that there was a hardening that came on people that they couldn't understand truth. He says, and this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when we read Moses' writings, their hearts, um, the cardia, the inner man, are covered with this veil and they do not understand. So there's going to be times where this veil, and again, I'm applying, I'm, I'm, I'm applying this. There's going to be times where you have a veil on your heart that it creates such a hardening that you literally cannot comprehend and understand. Have you ever had a fear come on you to such a level that no matter what anybody said or spoke over you, it couldn't stop spinning? Like it literally sat on you to that level. If you haven't, I have. Okay. Um, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit is, there is freedom. 
And so, um, so all of you who've had this veil removed, you can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Part of the journey of getting to understand the areas of your heart that lack revelation unto the knowledge of Christ, part of that journey is going to be the removing of the things that create the hardening within your heart. Whether it's the belief systems, the things that you've gone through, they create a veil in resistance to him. Now, I know people who you could not have a breakthrough for something that you need. Maybe you can't get delivered of depression, of anxiety, or something like that. Or whether it's very small. Maybe it's just like a broken part of you have lived a certain way your entire life, and you don't realize that's such an area from something that you've been through that created this resistance, this stronghold, this thing within your heart, that it has been so hardened that it can't get broken down. You can't experience the glory of God in that area. You can't experience his power in that area if there's such a resistance in that heart. I've had times where I could lay hands on somebody, and I'm like, nope, not even there. Meaning like, they're so hardened. I can't even flow. Like, I don't fake prayer. Like, I don't just like try to say something to make someone feel good. Like, I really step into the presence of God. When I pray for somebody, I try to hear from God, pray out the will. Now, I know how to just like patty cake a prayer, right? But man, I can feel it on somebody. I can put my hands on them and literally sense that it is like throwing pearls to swine, meaning the spirit of God is shut down to to them. And I know that sounds weird. It sounds weird. But there can be such a hardening of the heart. God will not throw his pearls to swine. And there can be such resistance. Now, where I've seen God move in, move in, move in, move in, because he knows, he knows, he knows that he can break it. May take some time, but he knows deep down the purity of that person's heart. I've had very, I've had relationships with people where God was like, you will not acknowledge or call it out. That heart is defiled at a level that you can't address it. Meaning I'm just going to save you from that relationship and you have to walk the other way. And it's not like so, oh my gosh, the person was, no, they had an area of them. There was no part point to enter into um, confrontation, if that makes sense, because it was just that hardened. And so there was just that thing on them in that area. And love Jesus, going to church, operating in gifts, but there was something off. The defiled heart. A lot of people think the defiled heart means that they're the, the really bad, evil, per- no, uh-uh, nope. It means just it, you got something off in your heart. It's your heart intentions. And a lot of people don't realize it's off because they don't search that deep to find out. To find out if there is, there is a lack of purity, there is a lack of something, the intentions are directed at myself. My intentions are for me. Meaning like what you do and how you're living. And, I, and, and, and that can be totally separate from the thing you went through that created the stronghold, that created the resistant, created the resistance. And so the part of going glory to glory is that I believe it's this unveiling. Now the word revelation, it means to unveil something. So when you gain revelation of something, you gain revelation of something, maybe it's just a certain character of God you didn't know. Let me tell you about the revelation of wisdom that I've had this last year. The revelation that to get set free of fear means you have to fear for a really long time and you'll get free. Man, like 
that was, is like a crazy, crazy to have to get to revelation, especially when you have to face a fear that is extremely deep, deep rooted, and you realize in it that you got free on the other end, and you were never even vindicated by God, meaning that there was part of this wilderness that God will let allow. He doesn't, I wouldn't say he's doing it. It's sometimes the stuff in you coming out, and that in it, there's this thing that will just begin to happen in the spirit where God will cleanse the heart. He'll make newness as you walk through it with him. And you'll all of a sudden notice that you're free. You'll look back and you'll go like, holy smokes. Like, this has changed for me. This has changed for me. And this has changed for me. It may have taken two years. I may not have been vindicated relationally. It wasn't about that. It was about me walking through a really hard season with God. And all of a sudden, I actually look and act and feel differently in my life. That is when revelation kicks in. Like that is when you walk into a place where it's not just about your breakthrough tomorrow. You're, you get the answer from God that I think some people think that a revelation comes from getting something in the natural. Like something God makes work. And that's how things become okay to us. How can that unveil your heart? Unveiling is cutting. It's cutting. You know, the word of God, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to expose your innermost thoughts. When he says it divides between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, what's interesting is like joint and marrow, it's hard to divide between. So he's saying soul and spirit, it's that hard to divide between, but yet it will expose. It cuts, it exposes. So if you aren't getting a cutting, like that's where the unveiling will, ha- will come. So you almost have to get like severed. Like you, it's, it's okay. Like, we can't get the things that the promises in Scripture by, like, it handed to you. What was handed to you was Jesus. It was everything. In Jesus, everything is. And it's when that mind comes into alignment, then when nothing else works, everything's still okay. Because it's in him. Fear can't touch you. He took fear. Betrayal can't touch you. He took betrayal. Rejection can't touch you. He took rejection. Now, I was like, when I felt like I was getting hit by rejection, betrayal, and all these things being talked about, all the stuff that was coming at me, and I was going, God, like, you should be vindicating me if this is what you're calling me to and this isn't right. And all he would ever say is, you don't got to take it. It's not for you. I can take it. What does that look like? Did it mean that he went and hit them with a bat like I wanted him to? I was like, Jesus, does that mean you're going to hit him? Like, make them crash a car. Do something. Like, I was convinced God was going to kill my ex. (laughs) I was like, the guy that stalked me for like five years, I was totally convinced Jesus told me he was going to kill him. (laughs) Like, I'm serious. Like, I believed what he did to me was so wrong, my vindication would be that he just couldn't live anymore. We so wrap how God should take care of it. Some of you are like, okay, that's like a little much. (laughs) That's a little too far. (laughs) But if you knew what happened to me, you'd understand why I believe this man should not have been alive. (laughs) And you're like, God, when are you going to step in and vindicate me? What if he was like, I already always took everything. I already took it all. Why are you letting it touch you? And if he's saying that, if that is who Jesus is, if this is what we've been given... That we are living in him, meaning he carries everything, he carries you, then what keeps us from that spiral when things don't work out? 
Because I'm like, if God kept saying, Jesus, kept, that was the answer. I remember I just pray and I just kept feeling, I just kept sensing. Now, I didn't get some big, crazy, big old thing where, you know, dream about it. No, I just kept getting this feeling. He's like, I took it. It's not for you. Doesn't matter. Jesus endured all that. What are you going to do when you're betrayed? What are you going to do when you lose? What are you going to do when stuff doesn't work? What are you going to do? He had to deal with it. He had to deal with it. It's like a whole shift of the mind. There's so much freedom in it. There's so much freedom in it. But the problem is there's so much crushing in it. <laughs> there's so much crushing when God wants to purify the heart, when he wants to purify the heart. It's not feel good. When he says, I'm going to cut the veils, I'm going to cut the veils off of you. And some of the people who aren't ready will run. They're not ready. It's okay. It's okay. God is sifting things right now. I do believe it. I do believe it. I have noticed that the things that have happened in my life and that the messages that have been coming out, there is, there is, a, there is a message from the Holy Spirit for people that is about what it looks like to endure what it looks like to be purified. What does it look like to be so aligned with his spirit? What does it look like if he is okay with exposing what's not right in your heart? Because the freedom on the other side of that is like crazy. Like, oh, Ray, when he was out here, he was saying he did, I thought this was really interesting. So he did a 40-day water fast. This is the guy who's kind of like, a deliverance mentor, like we do ministry together. He's out in Dallas. He has a deliverance ministry. He did a 40-day water fast. Felt like God told him to do that, which he would say, never do a fast that God doesn't tell you to do because there's crazy when the grace isn't on it. That could have killed him. He lost so much weight, and he had had cancer before, and he said it was as if he had had cancer again. He said that he thought that it was going to be this, like, magical angels showing up in his house and this like amazing just with Jesus every day if he's going through this crushing to this level like he's doing what Jesus did 40 days you know what I mean he said no he's like it was not he said it was one of the hardest things he ever done he felt like he was um he felt like he was dying and he felt like he was he had cancer when which he had had before and he, he's telling me he's like I feel like the revelation that I got from this is that God allows people to go through these crushings in their life and, and I'm going to reference this when we talk about, like, what the Israelites went through and what kept them from what God had for them. And, like, what mine was, was I had never had something, what happened to me at this level for a year and a half. Deep down, I knew that there was, like, this thing that God was allowing and doing through the pain that was going to catapult my life, like, coming out of it. But I didn't know how long he was going to let it last. Like, I didn't know if this was going to go on years, and you lose hope. Like, you lose hope in it. It's like I had to fight every day to believe that I would get catapulted out of it or that I would get the freedom or that my life would change coming out of it. You lose hope, especially when it goes on. Like, my life has already been hell. I mean, we're not talking about that I had a roses of a life and then had a crushing. No, my whole freaking life's been a crushing. So, I mean, to go into it when it's, like, almost like an ordained crushing, it's, like, different. You know what I mean? And so he goes... Ray said, I believe what God had me go in for those 40-day fasts was as if somebody who walks in a season of a crushing, what it does to them as in purifying them, catapulting their lives, like renewing them and strengthening them when they go after him within the crushing. He goes, I almost feel like God let me go into like a quickening crushing. Like he took him into the spirit of like this place of desperation, of almost feeling like you're going to die, that he walked into this thing. Because if you look at like Jesus in the wilderness, he gets anointed by John the Baptist. The spirit comes on him. He goes, 
the, the, and then it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. So the Spirit of God led him to go get tempted. So he led him into the wilderness for a 40-day fast. Satan comes when he's weak. And so in that wilderness, in that 40 days, first of all, God led him, led him into it. God did not know that Satan was coming. Jesus knew that Satan was coming. This was a planned, this was an ordained, what would look like a crushing. And then right out, he's, his ministry gets catapulted, Jesus's. He goes straight into, I think it's his own town, and reads Isaiah. It says, and now that I'm here, they go, oh, this authority on this man. And there he goes, going around and killing demons, casting out people. And that's when the beginning of his ministry, his three-year ministry, started at that time. So I think it's very biblical to think that there will be seasons of your life that the temptation of Satan will come in. It will allow, there will be a temptation of the enemy to come in. What do you do with it? There will be a stripping. And so Ray was like, I feel like God, like what your season was a year and a half of, God did in your 40 day. And I was like, yeah, I'm good, Jesus. I'll take the year and a half. I would not do, no way would I do a 40 day water fast. I would not, I couldn't do it. And you know, look, he was able to do it. And I mean, he was stripped. I saw him uh, like six weeks after it. He was still skin and bones. Like he still had like no meat on his body. He couldn't even eat normal food for four days after because that's what it did to his body. It was that much of this like stripping. Yet it released. He had crazy breakthrough through it. God revealed so much stuff in him that was still there that he didn't know. And this is a guy leading a deliverance ministry just like me. And God needed to take deeper took him into this thing. It was on his knees, on bended knees in a crushing that it happened. That's when it happened for him. Now, I believe that God can tell us things when we're not in a crushing, but what happens when we're in a crushing? God finds out where your heart is. God gets to see your heart. Because here's the thing. His people, we have a choice to turn away from him or turn to him. God wants a people that turn to him when everything else isn't working. God wants a heart that loves him the way he loves you even though you could never love him like that. That's what he wants. So is he going to be okay when things don't go your way because he wants to check, will they look at me? Will they look at me when it's still not okay? The way that my son always looked at me, always looked at me. So I believe there's almost a, a, a testing to the character of a person, a testing to the, the heart. The heart then gets sifted. It gets exposed and it gets divided gets divided because then you got to deal with this over here and this over here. You know, I've met people that have double personalities. Have you ever heard of it? It's double-minded in um, James 1. It's actually, it's, um, the word is Greek is actually double-souled. Somebody who has, you come across like two personalities. You know, I've met some people like that. They can walk in their spirit and truth, meaning the part of them that's aligned with Christ and is stepping into his image. And then over here, they're aligned with their brokenness, and they got another personality. And you will actually meet people like that. Now, now in the ministry of inner healing, you would say there's people that have these altars. They have multiple personalities that come through trauma, blah, blah, blah. That's okay. That's true. But let's just talk about the defiled heart that divides unto truth and unto the image of Christ and the other side of them that's unto darkness. And I literally have met have friends, good friends, that I saw multiple personalities on them. And then I would just have to pick up the phone to know which one I was talking to. And it, because that's how they could shift that quickly. And sometimes he was a jerk. 
Sometimes he was just the nicest, genuine, loving Jesus type of a thing. And it was like the divide between the douche and the, and the good guy. <laughs> I've seen it on chicks too, so I've seen it on a female as well. But it was like it's a double, it's double-minded. It's aligning with different things. We can all do it. Where's the heart? It's checking where the heart's at. Because what about the people that put on a persona to get what they want? Manipulation, people. You got a spirit of manipulation on you. And you know how to turn it on and turn it off. It's off. That's, that's your heart. Your heart's off. People don't check these things. They just go, this is how I work. I do business this way. When I do business, this is how I work. I tell them this, and I kind of feed into this, and, and this is how I get what I want. And this is how it, and that's manipulation. That's a spirit of manipulation. When you are working in Christ, when you are aligned with him, he will move on that person, and you'll just get it. Because that's who he is. Work in purity. Now, it doesn't mean, like, not to be charming. It's when you use charm to manipulate. It's like it's, it's, it's multiple different things. It's when people use their gifts to manipulate. I remember God specifically, I woke up in the middle of the night, October last year, and hit like a ton of bricks. The Holy Spirit told me I, was, I had used my gift to manipulate someone. I didn't know who it was. I think I'd done it more than once. But straight out, I just got convicted of it and knew I'd done it. Are you open to hearing what you do? Because that's the thing. I want to know, Jesus, call me out. I tell Ray all the time, I'm like, if you see a problem on me, call me out. The guy, the guy in uh, Oklahoma, oh, I got no problem with being offended. I'm okay with it because I've learned that if I don't look at my stuff and don't look at it, I'm never going to get where I want to get. And so I need to know. Like, I want to know those things. Unless it's like my personality that I can't change, then go away. <laughs> then leave me alone. I don't care. <laughs> it, like, depends on what you're saying. There's some people that are just jerks and offensive. And there's, and, and there's really not their place to talk to you into those areas, right? And then you have people that you want on your inner circle that love you. They love you. And if you need to be called out, they'll call you out with love. Those are the people. There are different people. There are people that will call you out with manipulation, and they will do things that is off. It's not okay. So it depends who you listen to. It depends who your inner circle is. I want the people close to me that would do it just in love. And tell me if there's something on me, right? I'm open to Jesus. If he wakes me up in the middle of the night and tells me that I was manipulating with my gifts, and what's crazy, after that, I started seeing where other people were doing it. I started noticing how people in the prophetic, people in leadership, people could do things that were manipulative. And it was, uh, let me make you feel good. How can you manipulate? Make you feel good. That's, that's the best way to manipulate a person. If you can figure out someone's response and you want it directed the right way, how do you do it? Butter them up, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm sorry, but the prophets, they offended and they released judgment in scripture. <laughs> That's what I see. I don't see a lot of prophets making a lot of people feel good. Sometimes prophecy and the best thing that God will ever do for you is to get you to reflect on the inside of yourself. To look at things and go, you know what, God, do I need to realign with you? Where am I off? I want to be pure unto you. And I believe that's the, that's the body of Christ that Jesus wants. He wants it. And so I'm going to go into entering his, his rest. So the third one is that. So it's understanding that these strongholds come in. They come into resistance. They come into resistance. So these parts of your heart, they come into being defiled, to having walls, to being in resistance to the knowledge of Christ and breaking down the veil. Now, in the first one, I, I tell people to go in and pray, ask God, 
is something that happened in their life that created this. Then this next one, at the end of this one, I go have them go into a prayer, and this is on the curriculum that people would get online. And then the, the second prayer is then asking, what are the beliefs, what are the lies that came from this experience, from this thing? Now, the reason that I only do it like one, this is giving people tools. This is like a self-reflection thing. This is like living your life every, this is how I live my life. The only way I could have been freed from what I've walked through is living my life in self-reflection, meaning what happened, God? What did I believe in from it? What are lies about that? What's in resistance to you? What do you want to do in that? Because I like to know. I like to understand. So those, that's the steps. And the second one was the, the beliefs and lies. Now the third message, I'm going to talk about what does it mean? You're walking through all this pain. Now what does it mean entering into his rest through it? Like, um, as you expose it. So let me just pray real quick and we'll shut this down. Um, Father, we just thank you, God, uh, for just showing us, Lord, the veils on our hearts, God, that you would expose things and take us deeper into you, Lord, that we would know you more, Father, that we would just be a people not in resistance, Father, to you, God. Purify us in Jesus' name. Amen.